The views and opinions of findings and or devices discussed in this podcast are those of the host, subject matter experts, and or guests. Facts represented constitute our understanding as of the time of the podcast, whereas updated factual information may be developed. They should not be construed as pronouncing an official Department of Defense's position, policy, decision, or endorsement. Hi, and welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or Cubist, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the TBI Center of Excellence, or TBI-COE. I'm your host, Amanda Gano. Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Donald Marion, a neurosurgeon and TBI subject matter expert at TBI-COE. Don and I will discuss a study entitled Primary and Secondary Risk Factors Associated with Concussion Symptom Clusters, in Collegiate Athletes, results from the NCAA-DOD Grand Alliance Care Consortium, written by Kate Nolan and her colleagues, and published in the journal Brain Injury in April 2023. Hey, Don, thanks for bringing this article to our attention. So why was this study done? Hi, Amanda. Good to speak with you again. So the authors of the study hypothesized that post-concussive symptoms can be grouped into clusters or related symptoms. Previous studies have suggested this relationship, but most have had small sample sizes and included mostly male subjects, potentially producing a biased and overfit model. This study was done to identify symptom clusters during the acute phase after a sports-related concussion using data from subjects enrolled in the NCAA DOD Grand Alliance Concussion Assessment Research and Education, or CARE, consortium, a much larger cohort than in previous studies. The investigators used exploratory factor analysis to identify clusters and to understand the relationship between risk factors for post-concussive symptoms, such as demographics, injury characteristics, mental health, and sleep qualities in different symptom clusters. They hypothesized that certain factors would be predictive of specific symptom clusters. A key assumption was that treatment approaches based on an individual's symptom cluster may be preferable to a one-size-fits-all treatment approach. Thanks, Don. Could you let us know again exactly what is the CARE Consortium? Great question, Amanda. So the NCAA DOD Grand Alliance Concussion Assessment Research and Education, or CARE, consortium is a collaboration involving 26 civilian academic universities and four U.S. service academies that is aimed at studying concussions and subsequent recovery. The group enrolled over 3,000 concussed collegiate athletes from 2014 to 2017 into a longitudinal observational study. Okay, so how was the study done? So, Amanda, the investigators sought to determine the underlying structure of the SCAT-3 symptom evaluation during the acute phase of a concussion, meaning 24 to 48 hours after the injury, in a large sample of male and female NCAA athletes and U.S. Service Academy cadets from the CARE Consortium, and to examine primary and secondary risk factors for concussion symptom clusters. Concussions occurred during competition, during practice or training, or outside a sporting event. After the identification of a concussion, participants completed follow-up assessments, including the SCAT-3, within six hours of the injury, at 24 to 48 hours post-injury, and at three subsequent time points. Injury-specific information was collected, such as the presence of amnesia and duration of loss of consciousness, 
The present study included only the 1,104 participants who sustained a concussion and completed the 24- and 48-hour SCAT-3 assessments to assess concussion-related symptoms. Because previous concussions may alter baseline reporting, only the first concussion during the study period was used when a participant reported more than one concussion. The most common sport was football, and 25% of the 1,104 athletes were from the service academies. A history of migraine headaches or sleep disorders, psychiatric disorders and depression, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, special education classes, and learning disabilities were all recorded. Two-thirds of the group were white, non-Hispanic. Between 24 and 48 hours after an identified concussion, participants completed the SCAT-3. Now, Amanda, SCAT-3 is an evaluation that includes a 22-item self-report symptom questionnaire, similar to the Neurobehavioral Symptom Inventory, or NSI, that I'm sure you're familiar with and is used with the Progressive Return to Activity Clinical Recommendation of the TBI Center of Excellence. It asks participants to rate symptom severity of all 22 symptoms on a scale from zero, meaning symptom not present, to six, or symptom is severe, and report the number of hours slept the night before the assessment. So it really was this NSI-like symptom questionnaire that was the focus of the study, and certainly not the entire SCAT-3. An exploratory factor analysis was conducted for the 22-item self-report symptom questionnaire of the SCAD-3 to identify co-occurring relationships or clusters among the symptoms. It sounds like the SCAT-3 is very similar to the Military Acute Concussion Evaluation, or MACE-2. Could you explain a little bit more about what the SCAT-3 is and how it differs from the MACE-2? Yeah, that's a good point, Amanda. Yes, they are similar. The SCAT-3, or the Sport Concussion Assessment Tool, third version, is a standardized tool for evaluating injured athletes following a concussion. In addition to an assessment to determine if a concussion occurred, meaning loss of consciousness, alteration of consciousness, consciousness, balance, pre- or post-traumatic amnesia, it is composed of eight separate evaluations that include the GCS, the Maddox score, or you know, determining the athlete's knowledge of game-specific information, which is the Maddox score, a 22-item symptom scale that I just described, cognitive assessment, physical exam of the neck, balance test, coordination test, and a test of delayed recall. And what is an exploratory factor analysis? Uh, Good question, Amanda. The exploratory factor analysis is a statistical technique that is used to reduce data to a smaller set of summary variables and to identify the structure of the relationships between the variables. In other words, it is a statistical method used to uncover the underlying relationships between a relatively large set of variables or clusters of variables. In this study, the exploratory factor analysis was used to identify related symptoms or clusters within the 22-item symptom scale in the SCAT-3. Okay, Don, so what were the results? So they included, as I said before, 1,104 concussed participants with complete data sets who completed the SCAT-3 within 24 to 48 hours after their injury. 58% were men and 58% were white, non-Hispanic. Symptom scores ranged from 0 to 6, and symptom severity scores ranged from the highest severity of 2.27 for headache to the lowest or 
0.48 for nervous, anxious symptoms. The results supported a four-factor or four-cluster solution that accounted for 62% of the variance in symptom reporting, meaning that most post-concussive symptoms could be explained within a structure of four clusters rather than the 22 individual symptoms. The clusters included 18 of the 22 SCAT-3 symptom evaluation items, and so the clusters were as follows a vestibular cognitive cluster, which included five items, dizziness, blurred vision, balance problems, difficulty remembering, and confusion. The second cluster was migranous cluster, which included four items, headache, pressure in head, sensitivity to light, and sensitivity to noise. Number three, the cognitive fatigue cluster that included five items, feeling slowed down, feeling like in a fog, don't feel right, fatigue or low energy, and drowsiness. And finally, the fourth cluster, the affective cluster, which included four items, feeling more emotional, irritability, sadness, and nervous or anxious. And again, I remind you that those items, like feeling more emotional or irritability, are specific items on that 22-item NSI type in the SCAT-3. There were four remaining items that didn't fit in any of those clusters, and those included neck pain, nausea, vomiting, difficulty concentrating, and trouble falling asleep. And so those were eliminated for lack of association with any other items. Delayed concussion reporting, less sleep before assessment, female sex, and being hurt outside of competition or during practice or training were correlated with increased symptoms for all four symptom clusters. Female sex was associated with increased symptom reporting across all clusters. Depression predicted higher vestibular cognitive and affective symptoms. And post-traumatic amnesia was correlated with higher vestibular cognitive and migranous symptoms, where migraine history was associated with more migranous and affective symptoms. Other racial and ethnic minority individuals reported fewer symptoms in the cognitive fatigue cluster than their white non-Hispanic counterparts. So a lot of detail, Amanda, and, and it can be confusing, especially the way I said it. But the real concept here is you can distill down those 22 items into four symptom clusters. And what were the limitations of the study? I think the major limitations were that all of the participants were college-aged and the largest proportion were white, non-Hispanic males who played football. So the results may not be generalizable to other groups, particularly women. In addition, the proportion of individuals reporting specific risk factors, such as psychiatric diagnoses, was relatively low, or about 3.8%. Thanks so much for that, Don. So what would you say the key takeaways are for providers? So, Amanda, the results of the study support, again, as I said before, a four-cluster structure of the SCAD-3 symptom evaluation, and those are cognitive fatigue, migranous, vestibular cognitive, and affective. In addition, there are several risk factors that are associated with higher symptom reporting across all or most clusters, and again, those include female sex, delayed concussion reporting, hours of sleep the night before assessment, and being hurt in practice, training, or outside of a sporting context. Risk factors such as migraine history and depression are uniquely associated with certain symptom clusters, 
specifically migranous and vestibular cognitive clusters, respectively. Amanda, identification of post-concussion symptom clusters and risk factors may help to better inform specific treatment options after a concussion. For example, if a concussed patient presents with dizziness and blurred vision, the provider might consider the vestibular cognitive cluster and look for and treat balance problems, difficulty remembering, and confusion, as well as the dizziness and blurred vision. With better identification of risk factors and improved assessment and specificity of treatment delivery, this research supports the growing body of literature on the precision medicine approach to treating concussion. Thanks, Don. So that's all the time we have for today. You can stay up to date on future episodes by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts where you can also find links to the articles we discuss and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Vinnie White and was hosted today by me, Amanda Gano. It is a product of the Traumatic Brain Injury Center of Excellence, a branch of the Research Support Division under the Research and Engineering Directorate of the Defense Health Agency, led by Branch Chief Captain Scott Coda, Medical Corps, United States Navy. Thank you for listening to this episode.